0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, the latest Rasmussen Reports by Scott Rasmussen released earlier today reveals that in the wake of Dr. Fauci's released emails, only 40% of Americans believe Dr. Fauci is telling the truth about the coronavirus, its origins, and the research surrounding it. Dr. Fauci's public decline could become even more pronounced if Republican leaders on Capitol Hill succeed in making him testify before Congress. Republican Whip Steve Scalise and the ranking member on the House Committee on Oversight and Reform, James Comer, are demanding the Democratic leadership require Dr. Fauci to make a House call and testify before Congress. Congressman. James Comber joins us in just a moment. And the CEO of Colonial Pipeline that paid a ransom to Russian hackers to get their gas pipeline back in operation testified before Congress today.
1: I made the decision to pay, and I made the decision to keep the information about the payment as confidential as possible. It was the hardest decision I've made in my 39 years in the energy industry, and I know how critical our pipeline is to the country, and I put the interests of the country first.
0: How prevalent are these cyber attacks right now, and how vulnerable is America? Also, Vice President uh, Harris, placed in charge of the border crisis by President Biden on March the twenty fourth, was asked yesterday by NBC's Lester Holt about when she was planning on making her first trip to the
1: border. Okay. Do you have any plans to visit the border?
2: I, at some point, you know. I, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this, whole, this, whole, this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to
0: the border. You haven't been to the border.
2: I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't understand the point that you're making.
0: Yeah, I think uh, they're pushing us all to the border. Uh, well, we'll talk more about this uh, with the former Secretary of Homeland Security under President Trump, Chad Wolf, later. Here on Washington Watch. And would you like some good news? Remember Tanner Cross, the uh, P.E. teacher we had on uh, last week? He spoke out in a public hearing of the Loudoun County School Board about the insanity of the transgender ideology that's storming American classrooms. Well, he was taken out of the classroom and placed on administrative leave. Well, today he had his day in court. And he joins us later with the outcome of today's ruling. And speaking of courts, most churches are not only reopened, but those government officials that were overly zealous in their prosecution, if not persecution, of churches are having to pay literally millions for their violations of basic constitutional rights. But there are some governments, believe it or not, that are still exercising tyrannical control over churches. We'll talk about it later here with FRC's panel of experts. The website, TonyPerkins.com, if you're on the free speech platform of GAB, it's at underscore, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. And uh, again, check out uh, the website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources available there for you. All right, a lot to cover today. Today's Rasmussen reports, as I mentioned, shows that in the wake of the revelations of Dr. Anthony Fauci's emails, he is losing the public's trust. And my first guest says for good reason. It appears he has not only been uh, less than honest, or at least less than forthright with the truth, and the, uh, he says the American public deserves to know what is going on. Joining me now is the ranking member of the House Oversight and Reform Committee. James uh, Comer is the uh, representative of the 1st Congressional District of Kentucky. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Great to be back, Tony. All right, you and uh, Republican Whip Steve Scalise have called on the chair of the Government Oversight Committee, Carolyn Maloney, to investigate the origins of COVID-19, but she's refused to do that. And so now, uh, in the wake of the revelations from these emails, has she changed her tune?
3: Well, I think they're getting a lot of pressure from the public to try to find out the origin of COVID-19. I mean, this has disrupted everyone's life in America over the past year and three months. This has come at a substantial cost to the federal debt, uh, trillions of dollars. And this is something that's uh, cost a lot of public school kids a year of their education. We went a whole year without in-person learning in many of the big cities in America. So those kids are so far behind now, they may never catch up. So I think the American people deserve an answer, and I think they're demanding that Congress find an answer. That's why Joe Biden announced he was going to reopen the investigation he had shut earlier on the origination of COVID-19 and the possibility that it did come from the lab. But if I'm Dr. Fauci, I would want to testify before the House Oversight Committee and explain those emails because he's been the face of COVID for better or worse over the past year and a half. And now that these emails have come out, as you mentioned earlier, most Americans don't believe anything he said. And uh, if he's if, if he had any uh, character to him whatsoever, I think he would want to testify and under oath.
0: Congressman, this, I think, is very instructive in what we've seen happen in the last year and a half, because, Actually, I'm going to play you a clip, because on this program on February the 10th, 2020, right, February the 10th, 2020, I had Gordon Chang, Asian expert on the program, talking about uh, the origins of the virus. Uh, let's listen to this clip of Gordon Chang. What is, is, is Beijing hiding? 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 Many, Many people, people suspect, suspect that, that this coronavirus,
4: coronavirus escaped, escaped from, from, a, from a, a P4, the, the highest, highest level, level biosecurity bio- lab, which is located about 20 miles south of Wuhan.
0: Now, Congressman, that was a year and a half ago. We talked about that on this program. Other programs talked about it. Other experts were out there saying this could be the source. But the media and social media providing cover for the Democrats and wanting to distract the attention away from the true source and try to hurt President Trump, the Trump administration, uh, called anyone and everyone who brought that up as just conspiratory Uh, you know, theorists chasing uh, all of these lies that are out there. Now we know very well that's probably where it came from. It
3: is probably where it came from. Uh, Not only do we need to know where it came from, we need to know what exactly were they trying to accomplish in that lab? What's going on in that lab? Were there American companies that were funding part of the research in that lab? Were they trying to create a virus so they could manufacture a vaccine to make a bunch of money? Were they conspiring with communist China to try to create some kind of biological warfare. These are legitimate questions that every American should have, and the media should be at the top of the list demanding answers and demanding accountability. One of the reasons that the media joined in with the Democrats to quickly dismiss those uh, questions about the origination of of COVID-19 coming from the lab in Wuhan, was not only because they wanted to embarrass President Trump and discredit him, but they also tried to imply that it was racist. It was racist that we would suggest that uh, there was intelligence that would lead us to believe that that came from the lab. We were racist to suggest that Americans who were living in Wuhan and uh, working in businesses in Wuhan said that the death count there was much higher than what the Communist Chinese Party was disclosing. So I think the media and the liberal Democrats and their quest for political correctness and their quest to try to embarrass Donald Trump have got a lot of explaining to do to the American people, too. Yeah,
0: I mean, they they lied and Americans died as a result Mm -hmm. because had we zeroed in on the source of this earlier, it's possible. We could have gotten more questions answered and possibly gotten to, uh, you know, a vaccine, a remedy. Had we been able to get to that uh, lab and see exactly what it was they had cooked up.
3: That's right. And I have a lot of questions in addition to the origination. Again, what was actually going on in that lab? And I think that uh, we could find that there were perhaps some American companies that that had some interest in that lab? And were they complicit? Did they know that this originated in that lab? Did they know that this lab was doing research on creating a new type of COVID virus? And if so, why didn't they come forward? Why didn't they uh, offer their assistance to the American Intelligence Committee, to Congress, to the uh, FBI, SCIA, why didn't they do anything? So there are a lot of questions. You know, our committee's already found that there was an indirect payment of American tax dollars through the National uh, Institute for Health to a nonprofit that was created uh, called EcoHealth Alliance that funneled $600,000 to that lab. So we're already starting to put together the pieces that I hope the Biden administration is taking and running with to try to uh, put together exactly where their funding came from, exactly what they were doing in that lab, and what all China failed to disclose. And furthermore, what did the World Health Organization know, and when did they know it?
0: You know, we talk about the the, the American tax dollars that went to this lab. Uh, I think we're I've heard numbers of six hundred thousand uh, dollars. A lot of discussion over gain of function research. And I guess, Congressman Comer, I have a question if given the track record of communist China, their uh, human rights abuses, how they cannot be trusted. I mean, what they're doing to their own people and what they're exporting around the world. Why would we be a party to helping them in gain of function research for products that, quite frankly, could be used for, you know, terrorist purposes, uh, for... Uh, biological warfare purposes, quite frankly. I've
3: asked that same question, and the best answer that I can come up with, which is not a good answer, and it's not acceptable to me or any other member of Congress, for that matter, is that they were doing this type of research in China because of the uh, lack of liability laws they have there. You know, China isn't like the United States. They're not a very uh, uh, lawyer-friendly country. And a lot of businesses do research and development in in China to shield themselves from liability uh, costs. So that's not a good answer. We need to figure out what the problem is. If there were legitimate American companies trying to do legitimate research and development in China or in that specific lab in Wuhan, Uh, We need to know why, and we need to change the rules to where they can do that type of research in the United States. But I personally don't think we need to be doing that type of research. But there's so many questions that are left unanswered. And the fact that the Democrats haven't had a single hearing uh, in the Oversight Committee on the origination of of the COVID virus, now that all this new intelligence has come forward, speaks volumes, because we had so many hearings on COVID-19 when Donald Trump was president. And they had all sorts of issues and questions and conspiracy theories, but uh, now that joe biden 's president, they want to look the other way
0: A final question for you, congressman. Are you concerned about how cozy American companies are becoming with china? I mean just just uh, recently uh, on the fi- the walmart uh, uh, wall street um, Goldman Sachs going into partnership with uh, chinese um, a, jo- a joint venture with the Chinese on Uh, capital wealth development. And, of course, you you, you see these Wall Street firms have these uh, army of lobbyists that descend on Capitol Hill when their interests are, uh, you know, at risk. Is there concern that with this partnership with China, that China may be indirectly using Wall Street to lobby Congress? Yes,
3: and I think we're going to prove that, and I think that's something that's going to have to change. Congress is going to have to come together in a bipartisan way to change that. China is our biggest enemy worldwide right now. We have enemies, we have Russia, we have Iran, they're enemies, but uh, there's no country that poses a bigger threat to the United States than China. They're stealing our intellectual property, they're stealing our patents, they're stealing our research and development, Uh, they are committing human rights abuses, and they're also building up a military and they're hacking into uh, a lot of our private companies right now, stealing research. And we fear they're going to use that against us in the future. Yeah. So the fact that American companies have a green light to do business with communist China should be a concern. It should be a top priority of Congress to prevent
0: this moving forward. Well, we look forward to having that discussion with you as well. Congressman Comer, thanks so much for joining us. Always great to talk with you. Thanks for having me on. All right. All right, folks, speaking of threats, next, cyber threats. We're going to be talking with the former Director of Homeland Security, former Secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf. Don't go away.
5: What is Roe v. Wade and what did it do? The Supreme Court's 1973 decision ruled that abortion is protected under the U.S. Constitution, striking down many state abortion restrictions and severely limiting the extent to which states could write their own abortion laws. The Supreme Court's limitations on states to legislate abortion restrictions depends on the trimester of a pregnancy. For instance, Roe disallows states from restricting abortions in the first trimester, but allows some restrictions on abortions in the third trimester. What Roe doesn't do is require states to have any restrictions. Abortion through all nine months of pregnancy is the default unless Congress or the individual states pass laws restricting it. That leaves a lot of room for unrestricted abortions. For a full explanation of how Roe vs. Wade liberalized abortion laws, go to FRC.org explainer. That's FRC.org explainer. After the recent wave of media censorship, are you struggling to find a conservative, relevant and Christian platform where you can find out what's really going on? Here at Family Research Council, we believe that Americans have a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. If you're ready to hear the facts that the left doesn't want you to know about, then head over to frcblog.com to check out our latest blog posts. We cover a wide range of issues you and your family care about, all written by our policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview experts. We discuss topics that other media platforms won't, like changes in pro life policy, current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the bigger picture of the shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family and freedom, visit FRCblog.com. That's FRCblog.com.
6: Would you like to spend more time in God's word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible with their Stand on the Word Bible reading plan. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. This reading plan takes you through the Bible as events happen in history. Laying out the scripture every day in an engaging manner, it is key to helping us stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and he has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start reading today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org. bible.
0: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Our investigators are seeking answers concerning simultaneous outages that affected a number of major websites early this morning. Affected websites included Amazon, Twitter, The New York Times. No great loss there. The White House, uh, the British government, and more. Again, the uh, sites all went down at the same time. Some have speculated the outage was due to a glitch in a service provider, while others are considering uh, the more troubling possibility of a well-orchestrated cyber attack. Now, this comes as the CEO of Colonial Pipeline, Joseph Blunt, was set to testify on Capitol Hill today about last month's cyber attack that crippled the Colonial Pipeline, creating panic and leaving millions on the East Coast without gas. Here's a clip. From, uh, that hearing I made today. the decision
1: to pay, and I made the decision to keep the information about the payment as confidential as possible. It was the hardest decision I have made in my 39 years in the energy industry, and I know how critical our pipeline is to the country, and I put the interests of the country first.
0: Colonial paid a ransom of over $4 million, most of that being recovered by uh, federal uh, authorities. Um, Joining me now to talk about this and how the Biden administration is handling these cyber attacks and to give us an update on the border crisis as well. Former Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security under President Trump, Chad Wolf. He now serves as chair of the Center for Homeland Security and Immigration at the American First Policy Institute. Uh, Chad, welcome back to the program.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Tony. Appreciate being here.
0: All right. uh, So let's talk about uh, reading that we've seen like a 600 percent spike in cyber crime, cyber attacks. Uh, A lot of people blaming it on the coronavirus. Of course, it's like global warming. Everything's uh, something else is responsible for it. But could this actually be uh, a testing of the Biden administration to see what their resolve is?
1: Well, absolutely. I think a lot of the attacks that we've seen recently. And I think it's important to remember ransomware attacks really have increased exponentially over the last several years but whether they come from nation state actors or non state actors i think they're they're both very troubling uh, and of course our adversaries are going to continue to test this administration particularly in its early months on what are what is the the response that this administration will have on these types of cyber attacks so there's a variety of different things that i know the biden administration is doing and probably should be doing more of Uh, particularly as it relates to Russia. We know particularly uh, the the cyber criminals that were behind the colonial pipeline, they reside in Russia. And whether they uh, are operating uh, from, you know, backed by Russia, I think it's very important that we work with the Russian government to make sure that we hold them accountable at the end of the day.
0: Do you know how closely Russian officials are working with American officials right now to uh, to track down those individuals?
1: Well, my guess is that uh, those discussions are ongoing, and we know that President Biden is going overseas uh, in the next several uh, weeks to have a summit, and we'll sit down uh, with President uh, Putin and others. So I know those discussions are ongoing. The question is, what can be done about it at the end of the day? I think it was a, a positive step forward that we were able to seize some of the cryptocurrency that was used to pay out. Uh, that Colonial Pipeline ransom. I think we need to do more of that. We need to give law enforcement more tools. We also need to look at making sure that the IC and Cyber Command out of the de- uh, Defense Department can also go after some of these nation non-state uh, actors. I think we need to take the gloves off when it comes to these types of events, because what these events have shown us over the last several months is that they don't just affect private sector interest alone. Uh, They are targeting critical infrastructure, and they're having an impact on millions of Americans and the prosperity of our economy at the end of the day. And so that signifies to me that the the federal government needs to play a larger role here in helping our private sector respond to these types of attacks.
0: Mr. Wolf, it, it seems like these are a little bit different than what we've seen in the last several years. I mean, this is not new, as you said. This has been happening. It's been ramping up. And we saw some attacks during the Trump administration actually going after some government entities. Um, but I don't know. To me, this appears like they're going after critical infrastructure that affects the American public. I mean, we, they're going after the gas lines, uh, the, uh, the pipelines to affect our energy supply. This you know, coupled with the fact that this administration is pushing away from uh, our natural gas, our our, uh, natural resources production, but then going after the food supply. We had the the, the meat industry targeted with these as well. I mean, these seem to be, to me, there's some kind of coordinated effort here to hurt the American public.
1: Well, I don't disagree with that. I think uh, what's important to keep in mind is when we talk about cyber attacks, these happen thousands of times every day. And for the vast majority of those, we will never hear about them and the public will never hear about them. Unfortunately, to your point, Tony, though, they have becoming more emboldened here recently and really targeting critical infrastructure such as the Colonial Pipeline, obviously the food industry. And even if we go back to 2020 and the attack on solar winds, that, have a, that obviously uh, targets a, a different part of our critical infrastructure. And so if we don't, Take some aggressive action now, I'm afraid, and I know others are as well, that this is going to continue and it's going to escalate in the years and, and really in the months to come. And so these folks need to be sent a signal that it's not okay for them to do it. It's not okay for them to hide behind uh, whatever foreign entity, country, or or state that is perhaps sponsoring them. Again, the gloves need to come off and we need to send a signal to our adversaries or to these cyber criminals and you know that it's not okay to attack this type of critical infrastructure.
0: You know, I I have my opinion on this question I'm about to ask you, but I think that many of these uh, players were afraid to do this type of stuff when Donald Trump was president because they didn't quite know how he would respond.
1: Well, I I, I think there's something to that. I think a lot of our adversaries, whether we're talking about the cyberspace or we're talking more in your traditional battle space, kinetic, you know, military, uh, they're looking at the leadership of the of the American government and how they will respond. And they knew under President Trump that he would take bold and aggressive action to protect American interests at the end of the day, whether that was with our, our troops overseas or whether that was in cyberspace. And so I don't know that that same signal is being sent by the current administration. And I think that's what our adversaries are testing out here in the early days.
0: Uh, well. Mr. Wolf, I want you to stick around because we're going to talk about other signals this administration is sending when it pertains to the border. I know you spent a lot of time on the southern border uh, when you were uh, the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security addressing that issue, and it's a problem. It's a crisis. And I want to talk about what the administration needs to do to get this under control. Uh, Folks, stick with us. Former Secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf, is my guest. We're going to return and have that conversation about the southern border and what should the Biden administration do to get this crisis under control. That's next. Don't go away. We're coming right back.
5: Where do you get your news? Do you have confidence you're getting the full truth? If you want to stay up to date on conservative news and are looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged, then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Stay informed with a trusted source. Again, search Stand Firm to download the Stand Firm app.
7: As the political and cultural landscape of our nation has shifted in a concerning direction, it is so important for Christians to be equipped with biblical answers for the difficult questions of our time. That is why Family Research Council created our Biblical Worldview series. With the political left changing definitions to favor their narrative and to push their agenda, at times it can be hard to decipher what is true. That is why we must hold to the truth of the Bible, which stands the test of time. It holds the truth that does not change. Become equipped to stand firm in the face of cultural and political storms with FRC's Biblical Worldview series. This series dives deep into what the Bible says about some of the most crucial issues of our day. You'll learn what the Bible teaches on abortion, same-sex marriage, the separation of church and state, religious freedom, and the age-old question, should Christians be involved in politics? To access this series, visit frc.org worldview. That's frc.org worldview.
0: This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. Check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Our guest, uh, holding over from the last segment, former Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf. Uh, he, we've been discussing a stream of cyber attacks against major U.S. infrastructure, but I want to switch gears now, and I want to move to the issue of the border, border crisis. 76 days ago, 76 days ago, in March, March 24th, the president put the vice president vice president harris in charge of the border crisis now yesterday she was uh, on nbc and lester holt asked her about when she planned on going to the border for the first time
1: okay. do you have any plans to visit the border
2: I, at some point you know I, I we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you this whole, this whole, this whole thing about the border—we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making.
0: Well, I think I understand the point. If you're going to solve a problem, you need to go and uh, look at the problem. Um, Chad, for President Trump, the border was a big issue, and it, he tapped the. Secretary of Homeland Security to address that issue. How many trips did you make to the southern border?
1: Uh, I made dozens of trips uh, from Arizona to New Mexico to California to Texas, all along that southwest border, because it's critically important to understand the different environments down there. It's important to talk to the men and women of Border Patrol, the law enforcement officers that live in those communities, but go to work every day to understand what their threats, what they're seeing, to talk to the local Also, local law enforcement talk to the local ranchers, the landowners there, uh, as well as the the other community services operating there. Not doing that, the vice president, Vice President Harris, is not fully really uh, understanding the full breadth of what's going on at that border. To simply bypass that border or simply to fly over it as she goes to Guatemala uh, as well as to Mexico, she needs to stop. She needs to understand what's going on there. As I've said, she went there as a Senator. I believe she also went there as a candidate for presidency or for the presidency. She should now go back as Vice President. She has some authority now. she has some ability to make changes there. She needs to go to that border
0: well, the, the situation has changed dramatically since she was a candidate and since she was a Senator. I was there at the border. In fact, uh, I think I made a couple of trips myself to the border uh, last one about a year and a half ago. And it was like a ghost town on the border because the policies that the Trump administration had put in place were working. Uh, people were staying uh, in Mexico instead of uh, crossing over until they were being processed. Uh, So I think you're absolutely right. I think she needs to lay her eyes on it, talk to the people involved. I think that's the first step in trying to solve part of the problem. Now, the Biden administration Department of Homeland Security leaked a 46-page document to the New York Times outlining a comprehensive immigration plan that revolves around letting in more immigrants. How is that going to solve the problem?
1: Well, it's not at the end of the day, and we need to make sure that folks that are coming here are doing that through legal pathways, And there's a very different concept here by allowing individuals that have no legal right to come here uh, that are legally crossing that border to come into the country, to stay into the country. Instead, we need to make sure we put them in legal pathways. They're using ports of entry, and we have a process and orderly flow that to come into the United States. Look, we continue to be one of the most generous nations in the entire world, allowing individuals to come here, to stay here, to work here, to visit the United States. And we will continue to do that, but it must be orderly, it must be lawful, uh, and there must be a process. And we have anything but that going on on the border today. We, In fact, we have the exact opposite of that today. We're in our third month um, of over 170,000 illegal border crossings in one month, in one 30-day period, over 170,000. That is astronomically high, the highest that we've seen in over 21 years. And so the border continues to remain in crisis, in flux. Uh, It's not under control. uh, And there need to be changes there at the end of the day if we want to see this, uh, if we want to see any type of change occur.
0: Uh, Chad, when you were Secretary of Homeland Security, you were tasked with keeping the homeland secure. That was your primary uh, responsibility. When you look at what is happening today, if you were Secretary, would you be concerned?
1: I would be concerned, obviously, what's going on that border. And look, we, Tony, we had a crisis in 2019, and we talked about it very, uh, very straightforward with the American people. We described it as a crisis. We described what was going on down there, how the cartels were using loopholes in our laws uh, to bypass that border and to remain here. Um, And that's what's not going on with this administration. They're not being straight with the American people and describing exactly what's going on there. They continue to use language like the border is closed, the border is secure. That is anything but the truth. When you have 170, 178,000 folks come across that border in one month alone, illegally, and those are just the ones that we apprehend. There are thousands a day that we don't apprehend called gotaways, that we don't know who they are. We don't know if they are migrants seeking jobs. We don't know if they're criminals, if they're MS-13, or if worse, they're terrorists. At the end of the day, because we are overwhelmed, the system is broken on that border, thanks to the policies that have been enacted over the last four and a half months.
0: Chad Wolf, we're out of time, but I want to thank you for being generous with your time. Always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. All right, thank you, former Secretary of Homeland Security Chad Wolf. And I tell you what, folks, another example of how elections have consequences. I mean. You heard me say it many times. I was at the border a year and a half ago, and it was like a ghost town because the policies were working. They had solved the problem that uh, Chad just mentioned was the crisis in 2019. But now it's even worse than it was then. Worse in 21 years. Worse than it's been in 21 years. Why? Because of the policies of the Biden administration. All right, coming up next, some good news. Are you ready for some good news? Well, stick around. We're going to be joined uh, next by Tanner Cross, the uh, PE teacher removed from the classroom for calling craziness, craziness. He's here next, don't go away.
2: Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch on the American Family Radio Network Spot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, and independent Christian radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com.
7: Since the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade in 1973, over 60 million people are now missing from our country due to legalized abortion. Public opinion, our knowledge of law, and scientific advancements demonstrate that Roe should by no means be considered settled law. Roe is an abomination in our country's history it's time for the horrendous practice of legalized abortion to end. To learn more about the legal, historical, and cultural reasons to overturn Roe v. Wade, go to FRC.org Roe.
8: The Equality Act sounds like good legislation and something that ought to have bipartisan support, but it doesn't. Why? Because the Equality Act, paradoxically, would spur inequality. It is Trojan horse legislation that would hinder equality and would massively overhaul our federal civil rights framework. The stated purpose of the bill is to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, and sexual orientation. The real effect of this bill would not be to eliminate discrimination, but to erase the freedom to hold a different opinion. The Equality Act would mandate government-imposed inequality by requiring acceptance of a particular ideology about sexual ethics, while leaving no room for legitimate public debate. Simply put, the Equality Act mandates an anti-life, anti-family, and anti-faith agenda throughout federal law and would be a disaster for all americans to learn more about the inequality of the equality act visit frc.org equality act since june of 2015 over 12,000 christians
2: have been killed in nigeria this violence has reached a point at which experts are warning of a progressive genocide specifically targeting christians across africa's largest and most economically powerful nation Yet this violence often goes unreported in the media, and, if reported, is seriously downplayed. To learn more about what is actually taking place in Nigeria, along with other countries where Christians face persecution, visit frc.org slash Nigeria.
5: Did you know that Planned Parenthood is the biggest abortion supplier in the U.S.? According to Planned Parenthood's most recent annual report, it committed 354,871 abortions in fiscal year 2019 up by over 9,000 abortions since 2018. According to these numbers, Planned Parenthood aborted 972 babies every single day. To learn more about what Planned Parenthood is really doing, visit frc.org slash Planned Parenthood Facts.
0: Welcome back. This is Washington Watch, and I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. All right. Uh, we talked about this last week. Uh, you might remember Tanner Cross. He was a physical education teacher at Leesburg Elementary School in Loudoun County, Virginia. And he spoke out uh, at a public hearing of the school board in a public uh, hearing setting. Here's what he had to say.
4: I love all of my students, but I will never lie to them regardless of the consequences. I'm a teacher, but I serve God first. And I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa, because it's against my religion. It's lying to a child. It's abuse to a child. And it's sinning against our God.
0: What we've seen is this radical Marxist uh, transgender ideology being pushed into our schools. I mean, it is accelerating. And you have educators now standing up. Tanner stood up. As a public citizen, addressed this in a school board meeting, like the rest of the citizens had the opportunity to do. He was then put on administrative leave. But thanks to Alliance Defending Freedom, they took the school, the school board and the school system to court. And they got a ruling today. Joining me now is uh, Tanner Cross. He's via Skype. And also we have uh, uh, Tyson Lang Hofer, who is uh, his attorney with Alliance Defending Freedom. Tanner, Tyson, welcome back to the program.
4: Hi, Tony. Thanks for having us on again. We appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So, Tanner, you've got some good news today.
4: Yeah, we got some good news. I was reinstated by the judge. And I really look forward to going back uh, tomorrow morning to Leesburg Elementary and serve them.
0: Tyson, a message was sent here. Uh, that I hope people heard loud and clear, especially uh, these uh, educational systems.
9: Absolutely, Tony. You know, every teacher should be celebrating this decision because Tanner stood up for the right of every teacher to speak at a public forum because no teacher should ever be punished for advocating for the good of their students. Uh, But that's exactly what Loudoun County Board did here. They they, They punished Tanner for sharing his views in a public forum Uh, And they rushed to this judgment and tried to ruin this this guy's career for simply sharing views that he thought was best for his students. That's a violation of the First Amendment.
0: This is also good news for for parents and for citizens, is it not, uh, Tyson? Because now teachers won't have to live in fear that if they pull back the curtain on what is happening in those school districts, that somehow they will be punished.
9: No, absolutely right, Tony. What we've found is many, many teachers agree with Tanner, but they're scared to come forward. We had five teachers that were brave enough to sign an affidavit in favor of uh, Tanner just saying, hey, I want to talk about these policies as well, but I'm scared to do so because I don't know what's going to happen to me. And so you're right. What we should be encouraging is teachers to engage in the political process and to engage in this public comment because there is a debate raging right now in our nation about what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. And Loudon County tried to shut that debate down before it even happened by punishing people like Tanner who dared to speak out against some policies they thought were harmful.
0: So, Tanner, what would you say to other teachers out there across America that might be listening to this program that see the very same thing that you saw creeping? It's making its way into the classrooms, designed to to deceive, uh, to confuse, and lead our children astray.
4: Yeah, uh, Tony. I I don't want any teacher or anybody that that lives in this great country to not be able to express how they feel about um any policies in their workplace that may be harmful to the environment in my case that's that's students and teachers I yeah I, I would encourage um you know teachers and to just uh, express themselves freely and and they shouldn't be punished for that
0: I know that this has been uh, difficult anytime you step up and you get this type of publicity and criticism that it can be challenging for a family. Uh, But, Tanner, I I also know that you have received support from across the country uh, for speaking out. Uh, Parents are looking for those that know what's going on to say, like uh, to use the old TSA slogan, if you see something, say something.
4: Yeah, I mean, I... I I would hope that, you know, school boards would be very supportive of when they have public hearings that uh, teachers can come forth and be civil with them. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just so excited and we're celebrating that I I get to go back to work and and see my students for the last week before summer starts.
0: And we uh, and we join you in that uh, celebration. Final question, Uh, Tyson uh, Langhofer, um, what would you say? To others out there that are in the public school system that are fearful that they will get the wrath of the administration if they speak out, what would you say to them?
9: I would say that the First Amendment hasn't changed. These principles are still here. And if they're willing to stand, we can win this battle. But we cannot win if they won't stand. We can cancel cancel culture if people will be, have, have the courage to stand. And I will encourage them to take to, to do what Tanner did. Simply speak the truth and then the the truth will it will set you free. You will prevail eventually. And, we, and I just encourage you to do that.
0: That is so good. And it is so true, uh, because guys like you at Lions Defending Freedom, they do such great work. Uh, First Liberty, Liberty Council. But you can't do your work unless you have the tanners of the world that are willing to stand up, face the heat, but then see uh, an army uh... gather around them and stand with them in the process
9: No, that's absolutely right our our clients are the heroes uh... we're just here to support them and and here's the thing i've represented a lot of clients like tanner and and none of them ever told me that they regret taking the stand that doesn't mean that they didn't pay some price but but what they gained out of it was far more valuable than anything that they lost
0: uh... i i said final question but one 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 final question this is the final question for you uh... tyson any, anything surprising in what the judge had to say in this ruling?
9: You know, there, it was not I, I, because the, the facts and the law were very clear here. I, I'm so thankful for a judge that was willing to follow the facts in the law and, and not allow, uh, you know, um, other factors to, uh, to affect it. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that this was a clear ruling uh, and this was a, a uh, this was the right ruling because employees cannot be punished by the government simply for speaking their mind in a public forum.
0: All right, uh, Tanner Cross. I want to thank you for joining us. We uh, we rejoice with you and celebrate your victory. Thank you for your courage, and and Tyson uh, to all of you guys and gals at uh, Alliance Defending Freedom. We deeply appreciate you and thank you for your work. Thank you,
4: Tony, thank for you having us
0: on. it? All right, uh, a great story, and you know what? We're we're seeing more and more of those as uh, as Tyson made reference to when. We're willing to stand up. Nine times out of ten, we win on these issues because the Constitution is very, very clear. That's why the cancel culture is making so much noise is because they want to scare, they want to intimidate, they want to they want us to self censor. Well, I got news for them. I'm not going to self censor. Uh, in fact, the more they yell, the louder I'm going to get. I right. am not going to be quiet And the more they attack our fundamental freedoms, the more I'm going to encourage people to exercise them, because that's the only way we preserve them. And so I issue a challenge to you teachers. And I actually I was up in in uh, I'm going to talk about this in just a moment. I was in uh, San Jose, uh, California. This I was in California all last week. I spoke in uh, San Jose, California. In fact, I had protesters outside the church at Calvary Chapel, San Jose. And, uh, and by the way, I know we've got a lot of listeners up there. Great time at Calvary Chapel. A couple dozen protesters outside, but we had more than a couple dozen receive Christ on the inside as a result of the message on Sunday. Uh, and so I'm grateful for the protesters because they drew more attention to the service and, uh, and people came out to, uh, to hear what I had to say. But uh, as they seek to silence us, we have to grow louder and more bolder. In our proclamations. I talked to a number of teachers actually up there. And I want to encourage teachers all across America who see this ideology infiltrating the classroom designed to deceive, confuse, and lead our children astray. To blow the whistle. Pull back the curtain. Whatever analogy you want to use. Don't sit In silence out of fear of the cancel culture. As Tyson said, we can cancel the cancel culture if we'll simply stand up and speak. All right. Speaking of courts, I want to, uh, in the cancel culture and deplatforming and all of the stuff that the left has been doing to try to shut down churches, we actually have some good news as it pertains to churches. We've had uh, several Supreme Court decisions that have opened up most churches across America uh, ironically where I was at this weekend in San Jose that seems to be uh, some holdout government officials there who think they're above the law we may talk about that but join me now in studio Travis Weber FRC's vice president for policy and government affairs and Katherine Beck Johnson she is our research fellow for legal and policy studies Travis Katherine welcome to the program
10: thank you thanks so much Tony
0: all right let's start with um, the fact that we now have several court decisions The Supreme Court, several decisions, and California, in particular, not only has Governor Newsom, Governor recalled, recalled Governor Newsom. uh, Not only has he had to back away of his draconian, uh, tyrannical uh, policies, but he's had to pay up.
10: That's right. When we saw Justice Barrett take the place of Justice Ginsburg, that's when we saw a dramatic change in religious, li- religious liberty in the COVID era. And so that's really when churches were able to start being treated equal to other secular interests of the state. And so as a result of that, California has reached a settlement with several churches in the state of $2 million in legal fees that these churches have acquired based on Newsom's actions. They have placed an injunction against the state from ever treating these religious churches separately from the secular interests. so it is a huge win and it once again shows that the courts really do matter in our first and most important interest in liberties
0: yeah i mean this uh, a lot of this goes back to the trump administration placing constitutionalists onto the courts uh, certainly at the supreme court level um how many decisions have we had out of the Supreme Court as it pertains to the, the issue of churches meeting and their constitutional freedoms?
11: Yeah, Tony, so in, this, in the COVID era, I think we've had about 12 Supreme Court decisions. Uh, it, six times Supreme Court's had to slap down California's restrictions on churches. That's pretty significant because, as Catherine mentioned, after Justice Barrett got on the court, you saw some, some good decisions start to come out, really upholding a pretty basic principle that treat religion and uh, secular entities the same. Uh, but, but since then, we've, we've seen these work their way out in a lot of courts. That's not fully resolved, as you mentioned, in regards to San Jose. But these, these cases have been working their way out in the lower federal courts and state courts. But we still have a little bit of work to, to do here.
0: I mean, Once the Supreme Court has spoken on this issue repeatedly, I mean, you've got, uh, you know, we had the Rock Church. I've actually spoken at that church. And uh, they were one of the ones that received the settlement with the, the state. Uh, South Bay Pentecostal Church. Uh, they were involved in our uh, Freedom Sunday event. Uh, they too have received a settlement. So what what is it up in Northern California there in San Jose in the Silicon Valley that has uh, led that government to continue with it's uh, Dicronian, Dicronian, I'll get it out there in a moment, The uh, th- their tyrannical overreach that we're seeing there in uh, in San Jose.
10: It's really appalling, as you said, six times having to go to the court just to be able to freely exercise your religion. And this isn't just, oh, I go to the court. This is incurring legal fees. This is spending most of your day talking to your lawyers, figuring out what to do. And when it happens six times, you have to question, is something else going on? This seems to really especially be targeting religion and why is it targeting religion? There seems to be really a disdain in the state, especially the northern part of the state for religion.
0: But if we look, Travis, at the track record here, these churches will ultimately prevail.
11: Yeah, I mean, based on what the, the principles the Supreme Court has clearly laid out um, in the Roman Catholic Archdiocese and other cases, uh, you have to treat religious entities the same as secular entities. Now, um, you know, we don't, we haven't seen every little argument that every church might have made in these cases, so we don't, you know, there's a lot that's kind of taking place behind the curtain, so to speak, here, but... What we have is the data points, and this is the one area, it seems to be, uh, probably a few others, that this is not fully resolved yet. Meanwhile, we're, it's being resolved elsewhere, including in D.C. here. Uh, so, so it is troublesome that this is still taking place. We know the churches have been going after, or, or the county's been going after their, their loans, the ability of these churches to exist and operate where they are. So. It is concerning. It should be resolved, and we have to look to the courts to continue to help resolve it.
0: Now, Catherine, do we know, in terms of the churches that were facing fines, uh, were fined, you know, various amounts depending on where they were and what what state? Um, have most of those been erased and eradicated?
10: Uh, it definitely depends the most recent one, the one the church that you spoke at, he incurred three million dollar fines, three million dollars in fines, which was by far the most, and his fines are still outstanding. The state's still expecting him to pay as of now
0: and that's the county uh, that's, that's uh, quite, sorry I'm sorry county, yeah, the yes. county, but most in most other jurisdictions the uh the fines have been wiped away with these decisions
10: um it's certainly depending. I believe most of them have all right.
0: All right, well, it looks like we're out of time. Um, Travis, Catherine, I want to thank you for joining us. We're going to continue to track this because I think it's important because where we wrap this, quote-unquote, pandemic up and the way churches are treated is where we will start the next go-around when the next pandemic occurs. (laughs) Folks, I want to thank you for joining us as well. I want to to encourage you to uh, check out the website, TonyBerkins.com. Also, a new resource I didn't mention. Uh, But we have our Center for Biblical Worldview. We've got some resources up there on the website for you. Check that out because it'll help you think through all of these issues from a biblical perspective. And as Christians, that's the source of our strength and our direction. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand. By all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action.